Welcome into episode 162 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? Are you sure you're Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio? <laughs> uh, well, here's the deal. So, but right before uh, we record this, this is a Friday afternoon, late afternoon. Uh, I was a part of a, an Arkansas radio interview. I, I had a media member down in Arkansas, a basketball media member, uh, say, hey, would you like to come on uh, our radio show today to discuss the matchup, Kentucky versus Arkansas, what you think about the game, who you think wins, uh, you know, injury updates, all that fun stuff. So I was like, of course, no big deal, Sean. Of course, I, I, I've done it several times. It's something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with. So didn't have any issue with it whatsoever. Um, so I joined the show. They text me um, a couple days ago. I haven't heard back from them. I get a call at four o'clock on the dot Eastern time. And it says, um, are you ready for the uh, interview? And I go, yeah, of course. Sounds good. So they go ro- they go live. They start asking me all these questions about Arkansas and what I think about Kentucky and, and who I think wins, all that fun stuff. And Sean, about five-ish minutes into the 10-minute interview, uh, they go, all right, and this, just a reminder, we're here with Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio. And um, Sean, I'm not Nick Roush of Kentucky Sports Radio. I'd love him to death. He's my coworker. I, I have nothing but positive things to say about my guy, but um, – was a little thrown off, have to admit. I, I am not Nick Roush. It's in that awkward situation, Sean, where you're already halfway done with the interview, uh, over halfway. It was about the six-minute mark. So you're over halfway done, and you're trying to decide, am I going to be the awkward awkward guy that completely throws off the whole interview by saying, uh, guys, for the last five minutes you've been interviewing the wrong person, or do you just keep rolling and get the heck out of there uh, and move forward as if nothing happened at all. And I went with choice number two. And I'm I'm curious, Sean, what you would do in that situation and uh, um, let you know that I, I have two identities now. I think that's pretty cool. I, I go by Jack Pilgrim uh, on one end, and I also go by uh, Nick Roush. So that's pretty interesting. You should change your Twitter name to Jack Pilgrim, a.k.a. Nick Roush. <laughs> Just to see. But, <laughs> but no, I, th- I think you made the right decision. With radio – and you can't dump it and you're that far in, I, I would want someone to do what you did. But if it's a podcast, I'd be like, Hey, look, I'm Jack Pilgrim. So then you can edit, you can edit a podcast, but radio show. No, you, you got to go with the fly on the fly there. And uh, probably would have embarrassed those guys. If you would have said, Hey, in the middle of it, Hey, my name's Jack. Who's Nick. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I had, I've been thinking on the fly a little bit faster. Had I been known that, this was going to happen. I would have really gotten wacky with it. And, you know, they're asking who wins. I go, Oh, well, Kentucky is going to clearly win uh, 95 to 37. Who's playing? And, um, and uh, Kareem Watkins is my MVP. I think he's going to go for a career high 38 points. 
uh, CJ Frederick is going to make his uh, quick recovery and, and miraculous recovery and enter the game. And he's going to drop a career high 25 as well. It's going to be a wacky, uh, wacky matchup at Bud Walton arena. I, I should have done that had I been thinking about, thinking on my toes a little bit faster, but I was just so caught off guard with somebody calling me Nick Roush. So uh, Sean, I, I have, I was doing okay leading up to that point, but I got to admit, I'm a little thrown off and I, I'm in a bit of an identity crisis at this point. Yeah. And I feel like we're kind of in an identity crisis here because I'm hosting this episode when you're usually the main host. So everything's thrown off the day, but the one thing that's not is our coverage of Kentucky, our coverage of Arkansas, it's going to be a big game in Fayetteville tomorrow, Jack, at 2 p.m. Eastern time tip on CBS. CBS games are so much better than any other game. I love the coverage that CBS provides. I'm not in Arkansas. You're not in Arkansas. I'm going to kick back tomorrow and enjoy a game, and we have no idea if Kentucky will be at full strength or not. John Calipari, you believe it or not, entering uh, today, he had not seen Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler. Uh, you're kidding. You're you. Please start laughing because that that uh, – that, is the the shock that's more shocking than me getting called uh nick roush an hour ago i cannot believe that john calipari has not seen his injured wildcats before a a kentucky basketball game (laughs) and no at this point i'm I'm actually glad that he hasn't seen them because you you don't want to tip your hat right like you're you're what you're going to do tomorrow like you're not going to show your hand or or anything like that If, if savir is able to go you want arkansas to have to prepare for both or to prepare without both so I think it's the right call at this point, and it's kind of uh, – it's. I mean, it's comedy, right? Like, <laughs> everybody's saying it. Lance Ware's saying it. Uh, Orlando Adigua said he hadn't seen him earlier in the week. So, it's kind of this running joke now that nobody sees injured players in Lexington. I, I will add – so, I, I, I heard a little bit of um, – scuttlebutt of of how this whole process goes behind the scene. I know Cal kind of talked about it in passing today, but um, – I heard it from somebody that Cal's I haven't seen him talk is actually legitimate. He doesn't do that to, you know, throw the scent off or just do it for scouting purposes for the other team. I know that's a part of it, kind of keeping them uh, out of um, out of reach of that information. But I will say that I have heard um, from people that regularly attend practice that the way Cal operates is it's a whoever shows up, shows up. Uh, if there, if there's an injured player, he deals with the trainers. He gets taped up. They go through their, you know, behind the scenes training stuff. He walks in that door every day, and whoever is available to him at that moment is who he practices. And the uh, day before the game or the day of the game, it's the same process. He, you know, before pregame shoot around, pregame warm up, he kind of knows what he knows up to that point. And then he sees who runs out of, of that tunnel and starts doing their pregame stretches and pregame warmups. So I, I, I thought that was a little bit interesting that that's not just a, a running gag. It's not a, a something that he just does to, you know, get under fan skins, media member skins. And, and I know it's kind of become a running joke and he likes doing it, but uh, there is a, a lot of legitimacy to his. I haven't seen them because, he truly doesn't. He, he does not see them until the practice itself starts and whoever ro- comes out for practice uh, is who practices. So I thought that was a, a little interesting tidbit to uh, throw in there that it, that I, I was a little hard on Cal earlier thinking that he was just trying to you know be clever and witty. But um, that is something that uh, he it's a mindset he's had for a long time. So if that's the way he's he's wanted to roll, then I can't blame him for it. Uh, just kind of he he likes to play the cards that are dealt to him and, and move forward uh, as, as such. So 
Um, but that doesn't make our lives any easier. And it doesn't make Kentucky's lives any easier because there is a solid chance that Kentucky is without its two primary ball handlers again in one of the most hostile environments they're going to see in, in recent weeks in Fayetteville. They, as expected, they're already having a stripe out. They send out an, a memo earlier this week or earlier today that says, uh, if by chance we decide we win on Saturday, uh, please don't rush the floor. We will celebrate up in the stands with you. We will have our players go up and celebrate with the fans uh, up in the uh, up in the bleachers. So please do not do that. So they're, they're already kind of counting their chickens before they hatch. So I thought that was kind of an added bonus as well. But Sean, it is uh, a major, major, major test. Uh, three times in a row, it, it worked the first two games, but it feels like we're playing with fire. Uh, the, uh, the possibility of Kentucky being without both Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington at Arkansas. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations you don't really feel great about. I mean, it's one of the wildest environments in college basketball. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Bud, Bud Walton Arena or not. I've, I've been once. I went a couple I'm of years not. ago. Uh, Jacket, it's one of my favorite venues in, in the SEC. It's, it's one of the best arenas, and it, it's a championship program. They, they've won a national championship there. They, they played in the Final Four. To me – the SEC is better when Arkansas is good. And that's a rivalry there in the mid-90s with Nolan Richardson and Rick Patino. And I'm glad to actually see Arkansas doing well. Like when they started this year out, how about this? Like they lost their first three league games. And then they've lost one more since, and that was a one-point loss at Alabama like two weeks ago. So this is one of the hottest teams in college basketball. But I'm glad to see that they're doing well because, to me, the league is better when it's Kentucky and Arkansas at the top. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and I know there's been a lot of talk about Tennessee and Auburn as well, but I agree. I think that Kentucky is right there in the thick of things as the one of the hottest teams in college basketball, the way they play, especially at full strength. But I, I agree. I think this Arkansas team is a sneaky threat in the NCAA tournament, especially the SEC tournament. But I think they can make a run in March. I love uh, this group from top to bottom. Again, it's, it's kind of a, like Kentucky where – uh, they're very well-rounded, top-heavy. You know, the, J.D. Note averaged 18.7 points per game, 4.4 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 2.3 steals. The dude's a star, uh, but they also have four other guys or three other guys average double figures and, and another fourth in Devontae Davis so that averages nine points a game. And then Chris Likes also adds uh, 8.4 points a game. Very well-rounded. They get scoring from uh, the inside, outside, uh, just kind of – can beat you at, at all three levels, a very solid, well-rounded group that uh, it, clearly the, the resume is speaking for itself. They are winning a lot of games. Uh, their, their only loss in, in the recent weeks was that one-point loss at Alabama, who has proven they can beat anybody in college basketball at their best. So, I, I mean, this is a very, very good Arkansas team that I, I will admit has me a little bit concerned going into Saturday. Yeah, and like we were talking about one of the hottest teams in college basketball, so think about this. 13 games ago, Arkansas was ranked 93 in the net. They're up to number 24 today. For comparison, wow. the next best improvement in the current net top 25 is St. Mary's, who went from 43rd on January 8th to 21st currently. So we know Kentucky had that big – so Kentucky had that big climb from the 50s now up to number three from mid-December till now. But when you're talking 13 games, a team that started 0-3 in the league with home losses to, to Vanderbilt, I know they had a loss to Texas A&M in there as well, Mississippi State, it looked like Arkansas was probably going to be one of the disappointments in the league, and then they they reel off this long winning streak, and uh, they've beaten some good teams there. They beat Auburn at home. They've beaten Tennessee at Bud Walton. Now you got Kentucky coming to town. They do have 
I think the toughest schedule of the final five games, and I know they've already won two of them, Tennessee and Florida, but now you still got Kentucky, LSU, and then at Tennessee to close. That's a tough stretch, but they're right there in in the conversation. I think this is a basketball team that it wouldn't shock me to see in that Sweet 16 Elite Eight if they get the right draw in March. Yeah, I I was thinking that same thing. This feels like a Sweet 16 team. And Eric Musselman, man, he – he has some stuff rolling down there. There's recruiting momentum. They just signed, you know, that awesome recruiting class. Got Jordan Walsh, got um, um, Nick Smith, who was a, a very high-profile recruit, a five-star who was bumped up, I think, to top five status in the ESPN's rankings, uh, a dynamic three-level scorer that uh, Kentucky earned a Kentucky offer after Peach Jam. And for my money, you know, I, I think very well could have been a top priority for Kentucky. They just decided to go for defense over offense and uh, by by going all in on Case and Wallace. But uh, I think he was right there in contention for, for Kentucky. He wanted to be in Kentucky, but he ends up staying home and going to Arkansas. But uh, they just have a lot of stuff uh, brewing down there in Fayetteville. I think Eric Musselman is a, is a heck of a coach. I think he has the persona. He has the energy. Um there's a reason that he's so beloved down there. And, and there was some talk about him potentially going to Louisville uh, as that, you know, if, if it's not Kenny Payne, they're going to want to go all in on Eric Musselman. And that's a move that I would not like. I want to want to watch him stay in the SEC and not be a, a high profile rival. I, I'm comfortable with him being an SEC rival, Sean, but I, I'm not, I don't know if I want Eric Musselman being uh, 65 miles down the road in Louisville. No, it, it's cool. If uh, Eric Musselman <clears throat> is taking his shirt off after beating Auburn, <laughs> At Arkansas, I don't know how it feels oh, like yeah. if he's ripping his shirt off at Rupp Arena after beating Kentucky <laughs> or something. So, uh, no, I, I think he's a really good coach. I, I do. And and just looking at this, this is a game tomorrow that it's hard to really predict right now. Like, uh, I don't, we don't know what Kentucky's going to be. We don't know who they're going to have available. Like, if it's the team that they've had the last two games, that's a good basketball team. But I think this is a, a tall task for them to go to Bud Walton Arena and, and win and kind of match that energy that that place is going to provide. We haven't seen this group in a full game away from Rupp Arena. They've, they've kind of, uh, you know, ridden the crowd the last couple of games, and that momentum surge has carried them. It'll be hard if Kentucky's without its top two guards at Bud Walton against that pressure and, and that environment and, and everything. But and the thing that I, I keep looking at, Jack, in this winning streak that they've had, every game that they've won – this season, especially the big games, there's always a run that that's like 14 to one or 13 to one. I know they've had runs of 20 to two and 21 to five in some of their biggest wins of the year. Um, I know the the one uh, recently against Auburn, they had a 20 to four run and led by 12. And, and it's just those runs in that building. It's hard to overcome. Kentucky has to play poised basketball. They cannot turn it over. They've got to get off to a good start. This feels like a game where if they get down 12, 13, 14, I don't know if Kentucky hasn't enough in the tank to make a run back, especially if they're not at full strength. Like Kentucky has to avoid droughts itself, and they can't let Arkansas go on one of those just back-breaking runs that they go on at home. Yeah, that that was the point I was going to make. This is a team that you can – Kentucky at home, you can you can deal with a 13-point deficit. You can deal with an 11-point deficit like they saw in these last two games because you have the home crowd to rally you back from behind. Arkansas tomorrow will be deafening. That Bud Walton Arena will be absolutely at the top of its game. Uh, they, they've had some, some high-profile matchups. That Auburn game at home was kind of the biggest uh, high-profile game that they've had all year, and that's when we saw Arkansas fans at their best. 
they are absolutely ready for this matchup uh, and and the, they won't let off the gas if if they if Arkansas gets up uh, by any substantial number that double digit number kind of feels like the soft spot uh, the safe spot i don't think that kentucky's able to come back from that deficit if both both guards are out i think that's kind of the the key right there they they will have to play almost perfect basketball in Fayetteville tomorrow if they are playing without uh, both uh, Ty Ty Washington and Xavier Wheeler. And, and Sean, I, I guess that leads to this next question is that, or do you, do you have something else before well, we move on? J- just one more thing about these runs. So I, I'm looking at them and actually diving in here. So Missouri, Arkansas opened the game with a 26 to three run and then closed the first half with a 19 to six run. Uh, LSU, right before, Arkansas closed the game with a 17 to two run. Uh, against AM, they opened the game with a 20 to four run. Like, listen to this. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. Uh, Tennessee, the, they were down one with 8-19 left and then went on a 7-0 run as part of an 11-1 spurt. So, like, these runs, 20-4 uh, versus Auburn, and then closed the game through overtime 21-12. to Like, these runs just, especially at Bud Walton Arena, that place gets so loud. Kentucky has to manage that tomorrow. You cannot allow Arkansas to go on one of those double-digit runs. Yeah, absolutely not. And uh, uh, part of what, you know, what makes them so successful is – J.D. Note at, at the guard position. This dude is a star through and through. Uh, there's a lot of talk about who is going to, de- to defend that guy because, uh, you, you know, you have Davion Mintz. He's kind of been at that lockdown guy off the bench. But you have had that safety net of Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington, two very strong defenders in their own right. Um, this is a very guard-oriented team, uh, very skilled in, in that backcourt, and uh, that's going to be Kentucky's weakness. They're going to have no room for error in that backcourt whatsoever. Um, who do you think guards JD, JD Note, and, and how do you think that matchup unfolds, uh, assuming both uh, of them are going to be out? I'm not saying that uh, that we're not going to see w- at least one of them. Uh, there's there's a little buzz that maybe Xavier Wheeler is going to play tomorrow. Have uh, not 100% sure about Ty Ty, but uh, assuming that we don't see either of them, uh, how do you think that head-to-head matchup goes and uh, if you're John Calipari, who do you throw on the Arkansas star guards? So assuming there is no Xavier Wheeler, right? Yes, so okay. assuming neither. Okay. Uh, I would throw a Davion Mintz maybe to start. Uh, I mean, note, note that what, 6'2", 190 I yeah. believe is his size. I, I think that Mintz could, could draw that and, and do some, some good things there. I mean, do you, do you run Kellen Grady for a stretch? Uh, Jacob Toppin, did you play some Jacob Toppin there? If he starts to go off on you and add some length to him, the, the perfect thing would be if Savir Wheeler is available, right? And then yes. you need to run Savir on him. I think that would be an excellent matchup uh, for Note. But I, I believe I would start with Davion and give Davion that role. The, the thing with Davion that I like is, is he does whatever Cal asks him to do. Like he's not forcing it, even though the bench is shortened right now and they're without two guards. You've not seen Davion Mintz try to force anything on either end of the floor, right? Like he's not going out here and taking a ton of shots. He's not worried about scoring a bunch of points. It's kind of been just take care of the basketball, defend, rebound, run the team. And I think that would be a challenge that he would accept tomorrow afternoon. And I will add that this Arkansas team, while it is uh, very guard heavy, they are very, very thin in the front court. I do love uh, what Jalen Williams is bringing to the table. I watched him a lot. 
the recruiting circles, EYBL. I watched him play a whole lot in, in high school, and I thought he was uh, a very solid get for Eric Musselman back when he signed with Arkansas, kind of a, a high four-star type kid. He's developed very, very well. He's averaging uh, 10.4 points and 9.6 rebounds per game. But, Sean, outside of him, and he's only 6'10", uh, so it's not like he's a big seven-footer, super, super long. I mean, he he – um, he he has size, but he's definitely not this you know high end long threat that's going to really bother Oscar Sheboy. But Sean, outside of uh, outside of him, that their next biggest guy in their core rotation is six foot six. It's a really small team again, very guard oriented. So if you're looking for an advantage, I do think that Kentucky's can definitely found find one in the front court uh, with Oscar at the at the five primarily, but also I think that four spot is going to be super, super crucial uh, for, for Kentucky to find success. And oddly enough, I do think that Bryce Hopkins is that undersized four kind of having that size and that, that strength. I, I do think that he could have a, another impressive game as well. Maybe not that 13 point ex- explosion that he had last game, but I do think he could be one of those guys to step in. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that it's him and one of of Jacob Toppin and Keon Brooks really stepping up. I think that's where Kentucky can find an advantage. Yeah, some some big minutes from Hopkins, especially if they're without those two guards. You're, you're going to need someone that can play 12, 13, 14 minutes this game and kind of give you some depth, uh, depth in a game where you don't have much right now on this roster. When it returns to full strength, you've got plenty of depth, but – uh, in this stretch of play the last week or so, Kentucky has been very, very thin. What will foul trouble look like on the road? How will the whistle be? Oscar Sheboy obviously cannot be on the bench. I think Kentucky needs him on the floor tomorrow. Uh, Jalen Williams, I know we're t- when we're talking double-doubles, nobody matches what Oscar's doing in the SEC. But, you know, Jalen Williams is there, uh, I believe, with 10 this year, I think is what he's totaled for this Something season. Something like that. So, yeah. I uh, know. I think he's on a stretch right now of maybe the last five games uh, with double-doubles. So, Got to keep him off the glass. Uh, how about this Arkansas team? 3-0 versus the top 25. So we're talking resumes and everything. Like if Kentucky goes to Fayetteville tomorrow and loses, whether that be their full strength or one of those guards plays or none of them play, it doesn't really change how you view Kentucky. I don't think the national media and, and the committee will change how they view. The only thing that really it could do is if you win it, it significantly helps you. Like I think you bump Kentucky to a one and just about lock them in as a one seed, especially if they can go to a place where the other top teams in the league could not go win. This would be a statement win if they can find a way to get it. And, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Kentucky to go down there and win, but without those two guards, I don't know if I'd be picking them tomorrow. Yeah, that's the way I think. And that's actually a point that I made uh, during my appearance as Nick Roush on that uh, ESPN radio show uh, down in Arkansas was I, I think this is the game that decides the the one seed for Kentucky. If this if Kentucky goes down to uh, Fayetteville and they find a way to grind out a win, you know it, whether Savier plays, whether Ty Ty plays, whether they both play, regardless, if they're able to grind out a victory down there in that environment against this team, who's arguably the hottest in college basketball. Uh, I have no no reason to think that the selection committee won't look at that and go there. There's the difference. Uh, you just saw Joe Lunardi um, just put out his latest bracketology, and he said that there are four teams fighting for that last those last two spots uh, in the, uh, the the one seed line. So uh, I think that would be the final dis- deciding factor for them. You know, you obviously can't slip up against Ole Miss. You kind of have to uh, you know control your destiny from there. But I I do think that this is the game. Uh, that will decide if Kentucky will be a one seed or a two seed in March. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be big for the SEC and standings tomorrow. So you got Kentucky, Arkansas at two o'clock, and then you follow it with Auburn in Tennessee and Knoxville, and then the nightcap tomorrow night, Kansas at Baylor. Like there's a lot, Ooh, that's of, big. there's a lot of big games there on the one and two seed line that can affect the way not only the SEC standings and the and the bracket in Tampa, but the NCAA tournament bracket too. There will be these games will make a big time impact tomorrow. I, I wish Kentucky were healthy and at full strength, especially going into this game. But tomorrow's one of those uh, moving the needle days in college basketball. I think it's you're going to see a lot of buzz on Twitter and on social media. I think everybody's getting locked in and getting ready for March. Yeah, I think if they win tomorrow, I think they win out the rest of the way. I think they find a way to uh, grind out that last victory at, in Gainesville to close out the regular season. I do think they obviously take care of business at home against Ole Miss. And that just goes back to that conversation that we had, Sean, uh, about what Coach Cal said uh, just after that Tennessee game, it just, it's it's just crazy to think that that two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, uh, or maybe yeah, just a little bit a week and a half ago, Coach Cal said uh, essentially, you know what, whatever happens the rest of this regular season doesn't matter. Uh, we just want to get to March as healthy as possible. I'm confident this that this team can win a title. Uh, everything that happens the rest of the way is irrelevant. I, I just want to make sure that uh, my team's completely healthy, even if it means that we got to take some late losses down the stretch. Well, Sean, uh, you're one one high-profile win away in Fayetteville from turning that narrative into, wow, they're going to win out. They're going to, even considering the circumstances, they're going to find a way to win out, uh, go into March potentially, or into the SEC tournament, potentially as that co-champion in the regular season alongside Auburn, if not, at the very least, holding firm at that number two spot behind them. Uh, and then, again, as I said, I think that this is going to decide the one seed. So you go in at worst number two in the SEC tournament standings uh, and then go into March as the number one. I think that's one hell of a way to close out this regular season considering the circumstances. Yeah, if you win tomorrow and Auburn loses in Knoxville, and right now I would pick Tennessee in that matchup at Thompson Bowling. We saw that environment. What, two weeks ago, Jack? We, we know how difficult it is. It's the same thing as going to Rupp Arena or going to Bud Walton or going to Auburn. Like, these teams are so good at home. I can't wait to see these matchups played out on a neutral floor. But if Auburn loses and you win tomorrow, you've got a really good shot at, you know, like getting that SEC championship and sharing it with Auburn. I think that would be a big deal, especially the way that Auburn has had the easier league schedule. Kentucky's had the tougher league schedule. If they could clinch a share – of the SEC crown this year with this schedule. I think it'd be an impressive feat for this team. Uh, Auburn still has a road game at Mississippi State, and then they host South Carolina. So uh, this feels like their last opportunity to, re to really drop one and, and give Kentucky a shot to clinch a share. But it'll all play out tomorrow about 6.30, 7 o'clock. We'll I think we'll have an idea of what the bracket in Tampa is going to look like. Yeah, and, and you know what? I... Too, Arkansas still goes to Knoxville next week to close the yeah. season. Yeah, that's that's huge as well, Sean. I, I think that if this unfolds the way we think, you know, barring a, a Kentucky can't lose the last three games of the regular season, whatever, uh, I do think that John Calipari, this stretch, this two-game stretch, and if they win, uh, especially down in Fayetteville, that if they win these three games in this stretch, I do think that that Cal will lock up at least that SEC coach of the year maybe even uh, he's uh, I know he's up there in the running for national coach of the year and, he, and there's that talk about uh, about Bruce Pearl it should it be Bruce Pearl or, or coach Cal but man just whether he finishes first or second in that in that race for him to basically completely hit reset on the roster basically clean house 
uh, get in all the guys that he wanted and who needed to be here, complement each other so well in terms of the perfect amount of shooting, perfect amount of scoring, perfect amount of rebounding, inside presence, defense, so on and so forth. For him to construct this roster the way he has, uh, I just – I, I can't get over I, I you, you can't convince me that he's not at least firmly in the running for those, those national coach of the year uh, ballots and, and then SEC coach of the year as well. And I do think if they if he figures out a way to, to put it all together down in Fayetteville and come out with that win in that environment as shorthanded as he is, uh, I think that he. Uh, may not solidify it, but I think it's pretty darn close. I think he would do a lot for the that talk uh, about whether it's going to be Bruce Pearl or Coach Cal. I think uh, that would definitely play in his favor a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is one of Cal's best coaching jobs, and I feel like we say that almost every other year at Kentucky and, and what John Calipari has done in his time in Lexington. I think it's easy to kind of just overlook it because outside of last year and the year they missed the, the tournament uh, in 2013, it's been an incredible run, but to come back with a different roster, I know this is a coach that has done it with young talent, but now he's blending experience with young freshmen like Ty Ty Washington coming off a nine and 16 season a year ago. I think the job he's done with this team and the way it's structured and pieced together, it's been one of his most impressive jobs that he's done in his tenure at Kentucky or anywhere, honestly. Yeah. I think that just the, the circumstances in it, I do think that the way Kentucky lost at the rate they did last season in the complete coaching overhaul, the complete roster overhaul. I think that is something to be said because, you know, everybody says, well, Cal does that every single year. He just brings in a new batch of five-star talent every single year. This is totally different because this was a, a cultural reset as well. This wasn't about, uh, you know, just finding the latest and greatest top 10 recruit. This was about, uh, having a whole new buy-in with the program, hitting reset on the coaching staff, figuring out a, a new way to retool this roster that has never been done before at Kentucky. Uh, I think those type of things is, is why Cal is absolutely deserving of the, of the SEC uh, Coach of the Year at minimum. I think that there's there's a chance he still wins National Player Coach of the Year as well, uh, and I think it's because of that. I think it was the cultural reset that he had to hit uh, to, to make the fans buy in. I mean, it, just think, a year ago today, fans were, were saying, I, I heard this on KSR earlier today, they were saying, I'm never watching a Kentucky basketball game. This 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 team broke me as a fan. This team broke me uh, and and killed my spirit as as a Kentucky fan. I don't want to go to games anymore. Uh, all of that stuff was was being spewed out, you know, right around this time last year. And you go fast forward one year exactly, and Kentucky's now in the running for a one seed and seen as one of the top title contenders in college basketball. I just saw John Rothstein did another interview, uh, and he said that if, if he had three teams to pick. Uh, that he think can win a national title in Kentucky was one of them. I mean, there's just this mindset with the national media, local media, the fans, uh, and the team themselves. They, they're they're saying it as well. There's a lot of buzz right now about this team making a deep run in March, and uh, I think that's absolutely deserving of uh, of Coach of the Year honors. I agree. I agree with it, and he's definitely uh, got this team turning in the right direction. I heard that same interview you're talking about with Rothstein and I agree with him hundred percent with, with Gonzaga. I watched them last night. I, I know that their conference isn't testing them, but that's still an elite team with a lot of guys that can really put a lot of pressure on you with, with Chet and Drew Timmy there. And then Arizona, I, I want to see Arizona out of the pac 12. I know they lost a game there at Tennessee but still, when you look at Ken Palm, offensive and defensive efficiency, they're, they're one of the better teams in the country. I know they're in the top ten in both categories. 
along with Gonzaga and then Kentucky right there, I think three in offense and 20th in defense. That defensive number feels more like 10 to 12 when they're at full strength. I think that's where they'll settle. Uh, those three teams are clearly three of the favorites to uh, to get to New Orleans. And I just can't wait to see a bracket here in a couple of weeks. So just think about that. We're two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Right there on the cusp of it. We got to uh, get through this game to get there first. So, Sean, let's uh, slowly, I guess quickly, get out of here. I want to, we haven't done this the last couple of pregames, and I, we, we got to get back to doing it. I want to hear your MVP, uh, a final score prediction, and your key takeaway of the game. Yeah, how are we doing this? Are we operating under the assumption that they're not going to have those two guards, or, or you want me to give a well, they have make, one or the make, other? Include that with your prediction. Uh, well, uh, predict if either of them play, and uh, if that happens, uh, what the score would be. And, and this is absolutely not being negative. Uh, if they don't have Savir and Ty Ty, I just think that it puts a tremendous strain on Kentucky in that building. And I think Arkansas would obviously, you know, get the the win tomorrow. I'd, I'd pick Arkansas 73, Kentucky 70. I think Kentucky would definitely compete and have a chance to win, but I think it'd be a lot to overcome. If they just get one of those guards, like let's just say that Savir is able to go tomorrow because I feel like that he's closer than Ty Ty just given the, the injuries there, which we don't know a ton about Savir's injury. Yeah. But – if they just have Savir Wheeler on the floor and it allows Kellen Grady to run and, and get out wide and get some of those shots and those open threes in transition, then it just gives them some more depth in the backcourt and Bryce Hopkins can do his thing. I would think Kentucky wins 77 to 73. Like I think one of those guards would, would flip the script if, if they play. If they have both of them, I'd pick Kentucky to win this game by about seven on the road. But uh, so those are my scenarios. Uh, MVP tomorrow, though. I'm going to say Oscar Shibway. I think he's got to get you a lot of baskets on the offensive glass. I think he's going to continue to get better defensively. I mean, he's defending the ball. He's defending guards now. He's blocking shots. Uh, he's going to be my MVP regardless of who's on the floor. I am going to – I'm going to predict that UK gets one of those two guards back. Uh, I just I, – I, I'm going to guess it's Xavier, like you said, and I think that is going to be enough to push Kentucky over the edge. I think Kentucky wins 71 to 70 in that hostile road environment. Uh, my uh, MVP is going to be Keon Brooks. I think that he has to step up from a scoring perspective. You need another, you know, you don't need 27 points like Kansas, but you need him to give you 15 plus uh, to, to really complement and, and compensate for the uh, scoring that you're going to be missing uh, from Ty Ty if that's the way it unfolds. Uh, you just need you need scoring help from there, and, and if not, you know Jacob Toppin or even Bryce Hopkins coming off the bench. You just need need production out of that four spot. I'm confident that uh, Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz are going to be okay. Uh, I, I'm confident, obviously, in Oscar Shibway. I think he's going to have a, a very strong game as well. Uh, but man, you just got to have something out of that four spot, and that's why I think that uh, Keon Brooks is going to be the game changer, and I think he's going to step up when it matters most. So that's my. Uh, official prediction, 71 to 70. So let's uh, let's get the heck out of here real quick with one final message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add 
some excitement to the games. Prize picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. Download the Prize picks app or visit prizepicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize picks app or prizepicks.com using promo code Pilgrim to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Sean Smith, let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. That will be back after the game for another post-game show. We will see you then. Oh,